0: yeah of course your health matters and of course people will start reading about new developments in the health world uh today or well, a couple of days ago we did hear from the ministry of health about a new policy called sehat bersama 2030 where uh, you know there uh, where it outlines the three pillars it, that includes public sector transformation private sector regulatory reform and sustainable health financing system as a as a medical practic- practitioner dr rajbans uh what would you like to see in this new policy
1: yeah I think one of the things that the minister talked about was a uh, uh, preventive and promotive uh, you know they say well, that's one of the core areas and I think that's where the really must focus on because if you look at the Malaysia the aging population above 60 will be almost few million you know it's looking at four or five million in the next few years and then you got all these young people where we have found that the statistics show that the risk of obesity diabetes and all these you know metabolic diseases are increasing now this again all this if you don't do anything with the aging population the younger ones coming up it lifestyle diseases the healthcare cost is just going to go through the roof and you know no matter what you try you you won't be able to cope so I think the focus should be a lot on preventive and promotive strategies keeping people healthy preventing all these lifestyle diseases which are just basic you know like it's what he it says, lifestyle you know yeah. and you know keeping the older people more uh, engaged and more active and you know preventing all the chronic diseases of old age I think these are two areas they must really focus on talk to the experts who really know what is preventive and promotive health care you know and you know really make this one of the core of the policy
0: yeah of course because we've already heard so many times prevention is better than cure but we need to put it to practice ourselves now also part of this uh, framework includes you know having electronic medical record system they're calling it the EMR Um, and uh, how I see it is like a centralized uh, data place where every patient's um, uh, medical history is all stored there now uh, how how do you foresee it solving the issue of long uh, and it's supposed to it's supposed to solve one of the things that it's supposed to solve is you know long waiting long waiting times and how, how do you foresee this solving the issue of long waiting times doctor I
1: mean right now our healthcare really fragmented you know some patients comes to me from somewhere I got no idea what's going on you know there's no records that I can look at he might have gone to other hospitals may have gone to public whether private and you know then the whole thing gets delayed we have to start all over again and sometimes you know this this whole uh, thing to try to trace his records everything all this is just causing delay so with the sy- you know systemic electronic records there everything will be up to date patient comes you've got everything you know exactly what to do what has been done what has not been done what I need to do what medication is on you know and of course you people can then follow appointments and you know I think it's really uh, smoothen things up right now everything is such a you know fragmented way and things get delayed you know patients get fed up and you know sometimes don't know what's going on so it will start all over again so all this actually causes delay so this will actually yeah. be really good
0: yeah because I think <laughs> one of the issues is uh, like uh, for example I know some people who go and see this particular doctor at this hospital and after that for different sickness that he has he's going to see a different doctor from a different hospital and that's when the doctor asks him or her about, so what kind of medications are you on? Just like my dad. And my dad's going, I don't know. I can't yeah. what medicines. They on. always
1: forget to bring the medication. So it's, oh, you know, it's such a difficult thing because, you know, some medications will cause interactions. You don't know what are they going to, you right. on the same thing you want to give. So, you know, all that is very important. If it's all there,
0: recorded very easy for us. Today, we'll be covering some articles and new developments in the medical world. And of course, uh, vaping is still not out of the picture. People are still talking about it uh, as well. Now, the latest is that the CDC has found out that some of these cases, some of the vaping-related diseases and also the death uh, diseases related to vaping is due to a certain type of, um, how should I say, um, liquid or called or, or, or an element called vitamin E acetate. Now, D- Dr. Rajbans, what, what is this? vitamin E acetate is?
1: Yeah, basically if it's a combination of uh, vitamin E or tocopherol with, uh, you know, acetic acid, you know, a process called esterification where they combine these two. Now, it's commonly used in, you know, things like, you know, skin creams and uh, your supplements and it's very safe but the same vitamin E acetate when given into the lungs it causes a severe reaction, you know and so it's not safe in in your skin creams, safe in your supplements but uh, exposed to the lung it actually causes a serious reaction and you know patients had a sort of a inflammation of the lungs and that's where a lot of them went into problems
0: right So that this is from from CDC in the. US the United States Center for Disease Control where they've confirmed that some of these vaping-related diseases or even death was caused by the vitamin E acetate. Now, um, do- doctor, many people start to vape because they view vaping as a safer alternative to cigarettes. Now, here's the thing. Nobody would ever call it like a healthier uh, alternative but they think it's a safer alternative to cigarettes. Now, given these new findings, is it still an alternative?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what happened in America and you uh, also the case in, I think, in Malaysia, I think we have to be really really very careful because no no matter what you say about cigarettes you know people don't die suddenly from right. smoking a cigarette you know it takes long many years and you know when you get all the problems of uh, cigarette smoking but for so many people to have died in America In one here you know had a bad lung problem and this actually damages the lungs so I would actually not use it as an alternative anymore I'd be very careful because you don't know which chemical in that vape can actually affect your lungs and cause the same problems
0: yeah like a friend of mine pointed out a doctor friend who said that look when it comes to smoking there's been 40 to 50 years worth of research to support that but vaping if it's just a matter meth- of just 10-20 years and someone's already died it's something definitely to be looked into and besides lung disease what are what are some of other diseases or health issues that that vapors might face uh, doctor I
1: mean we don't know first of all it's definitely going to become another addiction you know just taking switching one addiction to another you know so it's still the same problem we still don't know the long term effects of you know like you you said earlier we know about cigarettes but we don't know what's the problem going to be vaping so I would not take it up I would still want to go the traditional way of how to Stop smoking.
0: Yeah, you know what well, I think, doctor. When a doctor says you know uh, the risk of getting certain certain disease is there in you, I think that's a lot safer than when a doctor says I don't know you because you don't know what because it's still a very new thing. Yeah, so you don't know what right. kind of disease, yeah, what can happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Based on articles that we find And one of it includes Whenever rainy season It also comes with uh, Certain types of uh, diseases Quite normal to see uh, People coughing Or having the flu But then it could also bring uh, More serious diseases Typhoid um, Cholera Even leptospirosis Now that one It's a kind of sickness That just all of a sudden It can just take your life away Without even warning you All, all you know is just You're getting sick of it uh, already And in general doctor How do we avoid Getting sick, he's staying away from all the sickness during the rainy season. Yeah, so again, it's back to the same thing. You know, your uh,
1: wherever you're ingesting whatever, it's it's all these uh, again. You know, like the red urine, it, the red goes in. You know, so cans. For example, cans. You make sure you clean the can before the you cans, drink cans. Yeah, you know, because they that's where you people pick up leptospirosis. People go to waterfalls and. That's where they pick out leptospirosis because they jump in the water and that's contaminated and they swallow that. So, all that, these are some of the things you have be just very careful of.
0: Right. And of course, uh, I would also practice the normal thing, not practice rainy season or not. I mean, I'll tell my son or my wife would who is very vigilant about this. Wash your hands with soap thoroughly and all that. You don't yeah. want to be. Those touching. are the basic hygiene. Yes, you of must course. follow that. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Now, being vegan is quite a huge thing. Now, it's gaining tract even uh, amongst people around the world and also in Malaysia as well. But, however, this article is also saying that uh, a vegan, so 100% vegan, might be facing a vitamin B12 deficiency as well if, you know, they're being vegan. Now, do, um, we're talking about vitamin B12, certain vitamin that's not in our diets, which can be detrimental to our health. Dr. Rajbans do we really need vitamin B12? And what happens if we don't have enough?
1: Yeah, I think vitamin B12 is uh, you know important for our nerves brain so a lot of people with who don't have vitamin b12 actually get neuropathy uh, where they get uh you know decrease in their uh, nerve sensations peripheries you know and also the central nervous system so b12 is actually very important which is for a lot of other core factors in many many interactions and many chemical reactions in the body so it's a very important supplement now most of the time you get it from things like meat and eggs and uh, well when someone is fully vegan you worry that they might not have enough of those uh B12 ingestion and then all these problems can come so someone is really fully vegan sometimes the only alternative is maybe they can take some vitamin B12 supplements along
0: alright uh, that's actually recommended for those who are 100% vegan yeah, who are going that's vegan right. that's all what right. you
1: you know because they might have that problem
0: alright cool and uh, there's also a concern about vegan junk food uh, which is uh, processed food so does it look like going vegan may not actually be that healthy I mean we're looking at it this way on on normal days we are eating uh, oh, sorry, for, for those who are not vegan, so we're eating the meat, we're eating what's sort of called balanced diet, we're following that food pyramid. At the same time, once in a while, we want to get a bit of junk food, uh, you know, this system as well. But I wouldn't, th- I didn't think that vegans would have junk food for vegan junk food. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I think there are two issues with vegan that I find that, you know, people go vegetarian and uh, what they end up doing is, uh, for example, I had a patient who told me that she's a vegetarian and can't lose weight. But when I went into history, you know, she takes two roti chana in the morning with the She takes me going uh, Vegetarian at lunch And then two chapatis At night So then I ask her Where are the vegetables You know So a lot of vegetarians Don't eat vegetables You know (laughs) When you are vegetarian You are a plant-based You must actually be Plant-based That means you take A lot of vegetables You take some fruits And a lot of time People don't They just take a lot Of refined carbs And call themselves Vegetarians That's one issue Secondly they end up Taking processed Sort of Uh, vegetarian foods You know They got this Vegetarian chicken Vegetarian mutton Vegetarian fish Which is basically Just full of chemicals You know Again very unhealthy so i find there are a lot of people out there who call themselves vegetarians who are not really vegetarians if you're really vegetarian you follow the blue zones you you are very plant based you take a lot of natural foods a lot of real food a lot of what i call live food and that's important you know not junk food not processed foods not you know refined carbs not these fried stuff you know i find a lot of vegetarians eat a lot of fried uh, vegetables okay. you know, fried bitter gourd fried these fried that again it's a big no-no because that's again not healthy so being vegetarian does not always means you're healthy unless you really follow a real plant-based natural real food vegetables fruits you know maybe some nut bit of tofu you know avocado things that are really natural that are not processed and not you know full of chemicals
0: yeah so it all depends on uh the practice of being uh vegan how vegetarian or how vegan we are and uh, what are your tips for going vegan healthily yeah so i
1: think back to what we discussed you know the blue zones a lot of plant-based foods a lot of natural foods you know foods that come straight from nature so you're going to all this whole range of uh, you know real vegetables fruits you get nuts you get uh, you know things like a bit of avocados and your tofu a bit so it's all natural really you know food that comes from the soil and nothing that should be junk or processed
0: I've been told that yes my uh, heart attack last year my heart disease is uh, basically due to genetics it's hereditary my family's got high cholesterol therefore I've got high cholesterol But we are looking at a new research here that suggests that genetics are a poor predictor of risk for most diseases. According to a study, a new Canadian research that has found this, so the findings showed that in most cases an individual's genes play a less than 5% role in their risk of developing a particular disease. So what we're asking here, is this good news for patients, doctor?
1: Yeah, it is because we know that, you know, all the time we are told that, you know, since your father had hypertension or diabetes, or whatever heart disease you also can get the chance higher for you but what we have seen after we mapped out the DNA and we looked at all the variants we look at actually what they call epigenetics that basically you can switch off your genes you know the so genes if you do the right thing you switch off your genes your genes actually don't play a role in your disease but on the other hand if you don't do the right things you know for example if someone is not exercising putting on weight eating all the wrong foods smoking away so all these things are going to make the same genes switch on instead of switching off and so your risk goes up so it's not your genes it's your lifestyle today so we believe that maybe yes about five ten percent is your genes but your lifestyle plays that big role you know they say genes load the gun lifestyle pulls the trigger so that is very true so if you do the right things you will switch off the genes you'll never get that hypertension or the heart attack or the high cholesterol if you do the right things if you don't you actually will trigger it off and you'll get the problem so that way, genes do play a role, but they are not the cause of your disease. They're just there. It's what you do that decides whether they're going to be switched on or switch off and whether they're going to cause the disease.
0: All right. Well, well the thing is, well, I had a heart attack in 2017 and I've been told that, yeah, well, definitely yours is hereditary. Your father went through a heart attack. Uh, his other siblings uh, went through a bypass and that there's nothing I can do about the heart disease that's in my family. So if these new findings are true, for example, will it, will it change the type of medications prescribed to patients? or it's it's not no difference
1: it is going to be lifestyle if someone can follow a lifestyle pattern that can switch off those genes you know so right exercise losing weight you know make sure you don't have all the risk factors for heart disease for example with the right diet you can actually bring your cholesterol down if you exercise you can help bring your good cholesterol up for all those things you do you're managing your stress actually people who do that you know they actually reverse that whole uh, thing about getting the risk of that heart disease for example for you even if you really follow a real lifestyle change you probably will reduce your risk of having that heart attack and since you had you must even be now more vigilant to really reverse that all the processes that have caused that problem you know and we have seen that people can reverse with lifestyle lifestyle is still the key our food industry our pharma industry they are out there to make sure that they get the profit so we have to be very vigilant we have to learn self be self-aware and really look at what is preventive and promotive medicine
0: yeah so basically you know where where it comes to genetic research about our health let that be that Uh, the main thing is for us to decide on our lifestyle anyway thank you so much Dr. Rajmans for being with us this morning